Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me. And they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Okay, well, welcome to Mission Unstoppable. You've seen my good friend Danielle here over the summer, which I'm so grateful to her for uh, being a guest host for me. But here I am today with a wonderful guest. Her name is Jackie Abram, and she co-authored her book, Hush Money, How One Woman Proved Systemic Racism in Her Workplace and Kept Her Job. Now, she was a single mother of two. She battled racial discrimination many times throughout her career. And then she watched it happen to her daughters. And her daughters are Deborah and Delilah Harris, who also co-authored the book with her. And today, Jackie has turned her pain to gain. And she left corporate America after her own experiences with uh, systemic racism and how it traumatized her. And now she is spending time healing from those experiences by writing these books and shining the light on racism as she became an anti-racism consultant. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. You know, it's always wonderful when people take that pain and turn it into something positive, uh, no matter what it is. And I think, you know, you, you have done just that. The three of you had your daughters um, had really good careers, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, my career um, spanned nearly two decades and my career was in higher education uh, both of my daughters also had careers in higher education, but then they branched out from that. And one of them had a career in municipal government. The other one had a career in property management and medical building and coding and in customer service. And, you know, what we found out was that it really doesn't matter what industry you go into, what job you have, or even what the level of that job is. Mm -hmm. um, the bottom line is that systemic racism in the workplace does exist. And very few people outside of our black and brown communities really have a deep understanding of what modern day racism in the workplace looks like, Frankie, because I'm gonna tell you, it's not like it was decades ago when everything was more Overt, overt and, yeah. and easily spotted and you could easily recognize it. Today's racism in the workplace is covert. It's hidden and it is much, much harder to prove. Your book, Hush Money, is a fictional um, story based on the experiences that, that you and, and your Deborah and Delilah had in the workplace. It's an amazing read. I'll tell you that. It was very quick. I read it very fast. Um, and enjoyed it. I did not enjoy your experiences, but I enjoyed your writing. <laughs> well, and, and Frankie, if I might just, first of all, thank you for that. That means the world to me. But if I might also just clarify something, um, the, the, the person that my book Hush Money was inspired by, all of the things that she went through, the horrifying events, back to back to back, all happened to one person. Really? 
Yeah, just one person. It's not a compilation okay. of multiple things. This is one person's story where I was able to tap into my experiences and my daughter's experiences and the experiences of so many other people that I interviewed and talked to, um, I was able to add depth to the writing um, gotcha. because it was really important to, to really put the reader into the shoes yeah. of a racial discrimination victim. So you see it and not only see it, you feel it. Does that make sense? Total sense. And you know what? I did feel it and it angered me. I'm not going to say it surprised me um, because, you know, that stuff just, it's not surprising. It's out in the world. We can see it, you know, but it's the level of ignorance and just, it was, it, it was horrifying. It was horrifying, you know, to read about those experiences and, and to know that those people exist. And, you know, I think back to my time in corporate and I worked for the government. And if I, if I had seen that, I mean, well, first I live in Canada, so it's a little bit different, but not much, but it's a little bit different because we are based on diversity rather than, you know, um, the way America is running itself uh, today. However, you know, it, it does, racism exists everywhere. And I can't, obviously I can't um, feel what you feel and have gone through what you've gone through, but I can see it. And, and, you know, when you see it, you have to speak up to it. Um, I want to say that the Cindy Hasselman, the founder of Chair of Unity and Equality Alliance, they first they said that, you know, this is the next book everybody should be reading. But she said it's important that people see and feel how others walk through this world. For anyone in leadership, you should read Hush Money. Use it as a tool to see the things happening before it starts into something. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's so important. And, you know, um, Cindy is actually the chair of an organization called uh, Unity and Equality Alliance. And um, she is actually located in, in Canada as well. Yes. And, and it's important for, for you to know, Frankie, that, you know, this book tells a powerful story of what happens to so many of us. Yes here in America. But interestingly enough, I'm being contacted from people all across the globe, from Canada, from New Zealand, from the United Kingdom, from Israel, um, from Nigeria, Uganda, and Egypt. And they're telling me that they are experiencing the same thing. And so that's what makes the story so incredible is that even though it's here in America that the story is told, it's resonating with so many people uh, across the globe. They're able to see it and feel it in a way that, you know, you haven't been able to do it before. And I'll tell you why that is, Frankie. Yes. Um, if you look at modern day books, for example, uh, television shows and movies that that focus on racism, mm -hmm. they tend to focus on racism that occurred decades ago. You know, like I said, when it was more right. overt and easily spotted, but there really isn't anything um, other than hush money that shows what modern day racism looks and feels like. And it's morphed into this more hidden aspect of racism where you can attack people of color where they hurt, but do it in such a way that they have a very difficult time proving it. 
Um, and if we have time, I can give you an example yeah. of that. Um, so let me give you an example. I'm going to take a scenario and we're going to look at it from the overt, easily spotted aspect. And then we're going to look at it from the covert, the more hidden, harder to prove lens. So let's say you are an employer and you hire two people. One of them is white. One of them is black. You hire these people because they both have the same level of experience. They both have the same credentials or degrees, and they both bring the same uh, skill set to the table. Okay. If you were to hire them and give them the same job title, but you pay, and this is just a random example, but you pay the white employee $20,000 more a year than you pay the Black employee, well, that's an example of overt racism because that's something you could easily prove. An investigation would be able to look at payroll records and easily tell that this person is being paid more than this person, right? So that's an example of the easily spotted racism. I can tell you that that happened to me with a, with a male counterpart. Mm -hmm. It definitely <laughs> happens. There are so many forms yeah. of discrimination, yeah. and that is yet another one. But now let's take that same example, and I'm going to show you what modern day racism looks like, where it's hidden and it's so hard to prove. So same example, you're an employer, you hire two people, they have the same job title, the same skill set, the same level of experience, and the same credentials. But you give the white person a training that is absolutely spectacular. You set them up with the right resources. You give them the right tools. You give them the training that is so tight that it really sets them up for success in that career. Now that same trainer that trained the white person and set them up for success now has to train the black person, but they withhold resources. They withhold the tools and they intentionally train that person the wrong way. So they are set up to fail out of the gate. It's hidden. And how do you prove that that person intentionally trained you the wrong way? Right. And so that's just an example of how it's morphed into this covert type. So let me ask you then, how do you, how do you know? How do you know when you're not getting what you're supposed to get? So I will use an example right out of my book. Um, if you remember when Ebony, you know, Ebony was promoted multiple times yeah. and in her position where she became a director, she was uh, trained by the very person that she had complained was discriminating against her multiple times. And do you remember when she... Um, she was supposed to uh, bring in the money. You know, she's in a financial yeah. aid office, a student finance office. She's supposed to bring in the money, but then money never came. And she knew that she followed his training meticulously. Well, she knew that something was wrong because he was training her on a function that he himself 
had been performing correctly for years. And so she knew that something wasn't right there. And because she had previously had issues with him and she had made multiple discrimination complaints against him, it, it really didn't take a rocket science to put two and two together. Right. In that case, say, no. But if yeah. somebody's listening to you today and they mm-hmm. said, you know what? I wonder if I got the right training. Maybe I didn't. How would I know? Well, that's a lot of work that you have to put into it. You know, in Ebony's case, she had no proof that he trained her the wrong way. Except the money didn't come in. Except the money didn't come in. But she knew that she needed that job. She needed to be successful in that job. So she went above and beyond and decided to do her own research, decided to reach out outside of the organization where people in the industry who had, who were vested in their positions, and she was able to then start asking questions. And so it takes a lot of work. It's not easy by any means, but it's something that if you feel you have not been trained properly, you feel like you've been set up to fail you've got to figure out the right way to do it. And so the way that you start accumulating that information is you start reaching out and developing your own resources, which is what Ebony did. What was frustrating in Ebony's case for me, um, I mean, she started out, she had a great manager when she started, fantastic guy, looked after her, she she loved her job. And then the new one comes in and, you know, they have racist tendencies, uh, weren't happy with her, wish they could get rid of her. Let's see if we can get her to go, that kind of thing. But she reaches out to HR and and HR was not her friend. Well, and and that's another, you know, I could talk hours about that. But Um, I wanted to ask you one thing about HR. Is mm -hmm. HR underserved as far as understanding? They don't see this or were they just intentionally stupid? In a lot of cases, Frankie, and I'm just going to be as direct as I, yes, I'm going to be direct. HR, in most cases, I'm not saying all HR people, but when you are dealing with someone who is complaining about racism, my experience, my daughter's experience, people we know and love their experience and people that I interviewed as I was writing the book, we all said the same thing. HR is beholden and loyal to the one who pays their salary. And it's not us. Right. So they are there to protect the employer, not you as the employee in a lot of cases. And so that's why Ebony's, uh, complaints. And you remember she made multiple Multiple complaints. complaints. They continue to fall on deaf ears because ideally you do not want to be the HR person who has to go to the CEO of that company or the employer or the parent company and say, this is what's going on. You're going to try to squash it at that lower level. And so that's what continued to happen in her case. And, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people. I have um, a lot of people, Frankie, who reach out to me. There's three types of people um, that contact me about my book. So I'm going to tell you about the first type. The first type are the people of color in our black and brown communities who have been dealing with racism. They have suffered severe racial trauma like I have. 
I am still trying to recover from my own experiences. It's horrifying when you are treated as a subhuman for sure. And you, and you cannot thrive in your environment. You, you're not allowed to succeed. And if you are fortunate enough to climb the ladder, the target on your back gets bigger. And so the people who are reaching out to me right now um, are looking at this book. They have been dealing with racism, suffering racial trauma, and they're reading this book and they now have a hope that they didn't have before. Um, they look at this book as their survival guide, and they are taking this book. They're adopting all of the strategies that Ebony put in place after she made a million mistakes, but they're taking her strategies and going back to their respective jobs and implementing them. So this book is really spreading like wildfire right now across our black and brown communities. But you know who else is buying this book and who's contacting me? employers. Employers are contacting me because this is what I think happened, Frankie. Um, last year, I think the rose-colored glasses were taken off for a lot of employers, CEOs, presidents, um, after they witnessed the brutal killing of George Floyd on national TV. And so they want to look inward and they want to see if that hidden type of racism that I'm so passionate about exposing is going on in their organizations. And this is what I tell them, you know, when they talk to me about George Floyd, um, you know, I tell them, Frankie, yes, George Floyd was brutally murdered by Derek Chauvin. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But. Derek Chauvin was not alone. He was the he tool. He had help. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was the one who carried out the act, but there were three other people there who aided and abetted him. Agreed. Now you take that scenario where they kill us in our communities and you put it in the workplace. You have a racist manager or a racist uh, senior, or a racist leader who decides to target you because you are a person of color. They may be the one carrying out the act of killing your career in the workplace, just like Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd in his community, but they always have help. They always have someone that's helping them carry out these behaviors. And in a lot of cases, it's HR. Wow. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And I was always shocked because, you know, I know for myself, if I had witnessed that behavior going on, I definitely would have stepped in. And I find it difficult. Well, maybe not difficult. I, you know, people don't like to to do things, I guess. Uh, I've been an activist since I was a kid, so I guess it's different. But, you know, the, the fact that nobody stood up and said, hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. Well, from any color community, from any, right? Mm -hmm. And just even banded together and say, hey, you guys aren't treating us right. You're not treating them right. What What is going on here? The Absolutely. fact that they, like in Ebony's case, the fact that Ebony wasn't invited to partake of the donuts and coffee, the fact yes. that she wasn't allowed to go on you know, and speak when she was invited to, 
to speak at a, at a, at an event, a corporate event. The fact that you know those are subtle. The subtlety of you know what we're not allowed to. Have. She wasn't allowed to go the own to her own meeting, which was pretty crazy. Yes, you know, and and do her job. Those are the kinds of things that anybody can see, you know, really, and it boggles my mind, especially in an institution of higher learning. Yes, that nobody came forward for her. And, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to higher education uh, colleges and universities, this is something that you see a lot. Um, People don't speak up for a variety of reasons. Um, You know, they're afraid of, of making waves. They are afraid to come up because they're afraid of being deemed guilty by association. Um, And so they take on this, you know, I'm not a racist because I'm not the one doing that to her. But saying that you're not a racist isn't enough. What you really need to be is an anti-racist. So when you see someone, you know, like in the example that you gave, where you see the, the manager bringing in snacks and inviting everyone but the Black people in to enjoy those snacks, you would want to say if you are an ally and you know that it's wrong, hey, you know, I bet Ebony would enjoy some of these snacks too. Let's bring her on in, you know, get involved that way. Something small can have such a huge impact on the quality of life for our people of color. Now, I, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because it's my job. There are times when people of color, they don't want my help. What do you know? You're white. Get out of here. You know, you're not part of this. You don't get us. But you kind of need an ally. You do need an ally. And uh, let me just tell you a little bit about that. Um, If you've noticed, you know, my book was officially launched uh, several months ago, about four months ago. And it is spreading like wildfire. We Today, we have 90 99 reviews on Amazon with a five-star rating, which is pretty spectacular for someone who is Mm -hmm. self-published and started selling this book out of the trunk of her car because she was so traumatized by what happened to her and wanted to teach people not only how to fight back, but those like yourself who want to be allies, but you know, you know that you don't really understand it because you haven't experienced it. That's the glory of my book. It, it takes you, the person who wants to help, who wants to be an ally, and, and people are saying, you don't understand us. Well, it, it puts you in a position where you can understand, because when you step into the shoes of Ebony, you get to feel it right from the beginning, from the day she's reading the newspaper looking for a job, the whole way through. You feel the full impact that you don't get to see in those annual diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings that focus on a tiny snippet. You get the whole gamut, including the racial trauma, and you feel it as if it's happening to you or someone close to you. And I I have to tell you, and I, I think you'll agree. When you get to the end of that book, your perception and your ideas are changed 
your eyes are open. Is that correct? Absolutely. Totally. And I wanted to just say just the fact that they said to you or Ebony, let's say, uh, you don't sound black. That was racist. That was racist. Do you know how many times I've I'm sure that? you hear that a lot. <laughs> and, and so do my daughters. And so do a, a lot of other people that I know. Sure. And, and the implication is if you sound educated, if you sound intelligent, if you can form sentences and enunciate your words, um, you know, that's not the norm. And, and you're right. That is a very racist comment. Um, and, and so you definitely hit the, the nail on the head there. But you know what's interesting about my book too, Frankie? You, you get to go through Ebony's full journey, right? But then you also get to see the other people who are experiencing their own versions of racism in this organization. Um, one person that just really sticks out is Christine. Christine looked white. She had blonde yeah. hair, blue eyes, or she, she had features that were, you know, synonymous okay. with yeah. a white person, you know, the blue eyes, the lighter color skin. And, you know, so they, they treated her spectacularly compared to her friend, Ebony. And Christine knew that, you know, obviously she knows that I'm biracial. My, my mom is black. My, my dad is white, but they treat my friend Ebony so horrible. I'm not going to tell them that because I don't want them to turn on me. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And so they treated her beautifully. You know, uh, the, the Dr. Taylor was always commenting on how pretty her blue eyes were, but do you remember when she became a target herself? She became a target when Dr. Taylor went to her office one day and she noticed Christine's family portrait, Christine's black husband and their biracial kids. And the light bulb turned on with Dr. Taylor and then she started targeting Christine. And the way she targeted Christine was so horrific that it forced Christine to resign. And, and that's what a lot of the people in our black and brown community end up facing. No matter what job we have, Frankie, it could be the lowest job on the totem pole or the CEO in an organization. And when you become a target, you're going to be attacked the same way. It's not going to be one person, but a person of power and of influence who then gets others to conspire with them. And then you are going to find your career derailed and find yourself facing three impossible choices. Um, you're going to suffer in silence because you need this job. You know, in Ebony's case, it was $16 an hour, yeah. which was the most money she had ever made. She's a single mom with a son and a mother who's dying of cancer. That $16 meant the world to her. So this was not a job that she could just walk away from and get another one. So she's tried to suffer in silence as a most, a lot of people do, For sure. but that didn't work. So then what was the next thing she did? She considered resigning because she's, she's suffering trauma. She is suffering emotional. Yeah. PTSD. I see it. Take your time.
she's suffering emotional, mental, and physical trauma. You know, she, she wanted to kill herself. And she went from wanting to kill herself to conspiring and plotting how she could kill her boss because <laughs> I wanted to kill her boss. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sorry. I'm I, I you know you the pain is so great and I feel it, I feel it, and I'm so sorry for it. And if I could wave my magic wand and make it go away, I would. And I, and I, I can't because this world is filled with, with just too many assholes. I'm just going to say it, but, but I do know, get it a little bit. I do get it a little bit. And, you know, I, I, my background is Jewish and I, I went on a date and I always passed. And when I don't know, a conversation came up and he left me in the restaurant, just left because he found out that I was Jewish. So I do get it a little bit, That's horrible. you know, it, it's a horrible thing to ha happen. And I'm like, I'm not going to deny it. Listen, my family was all killed in the Holocaust, but I'm going to say, no, I'm not. Of course I am. I, I mean, I don't practice, but that would be disrespectful to the rest of my, you know, descendants, right. you know, that came before me that, that suffered so greatly. Absolutely. So I understand you know? exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know, the, the hate, uh, the, the level of hate, has really risen in recent years. It really has. And, you know, you mentioned your Jewish background. I mean, I, I remember turning on the news and every day, you know, someone was, you know, bombing a, a Jewish synagogue or, you know, they were attacking yeah. the Jewish people. Anti-Asian uh, hate, you know, just yes. really skyrocketed. And, yeah. and so, you know, a lot of people are hurting right now. I got two brothers who were, were, you know, they were adopted Vietnamese boat people. And so I get it. You know, I've got stop Asian hate. I've got stop this, stop that. Like, I mean, I, it's everywhere. And it's, it, it's either you're for it or you're against it right now. And it just really seems like, like the, like there's a conspiracy out there to just right. magnify it so that people will just open their eyes to, to, to all of this hatred and go enough. Like it, it feels like it's like enough already. Who cares? Well, and you know, um, Frankie, my book, it, it gives you one perspective about racial discrimination, but really what it does is it teaches anybody who's dealing with discrimination in the workplace, regardless of what type it is, yeah. how to fight back. I, and this is the beauty that of is my the beauty. book. Yeah, it is. It teaches you things that you would never have considered in a million years on how to fight back, survive the battle against your employer, win the war, keep your job, and in Ebony's case, she got one hell of a settlement. Yeah. Well, I love that she went to her doctor and they had to keep paying her and she didn't have to go to work. There's one, yes. there's one great way. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so I would encourage anyone yes. who wants to be an ally in the fight for um, equity and equality and fairness in the workplace, 
to spend the $6 in its USD, uh, $6, which is what you pay for a cup of coffee. Yeah. $6 and, and buy my, Oh, I highly encourage everybody to read this book. It's just a good read anyway, but if you want to learn something, um, and, and, you know, teach somebody empathy and teach children, even, you know, um, what it feels like to be somebody else's shoes that they may not have considered. It's definitely, I mean, they, they should read it in school. They should, you know, workplace. Yeah. CEO should be reading it. Everybody should really as, as a, as a lesson. And now that you're an anti-racist consultant, yes. what is that entailing? I want to know what that entails. So what I do is I basically help anyone who reaches out to me. I have individual people right now who are uh, battling racial discrimination. They have been, uh, unjustly or wrongfully terminated. They want to just talk to me and and ask me, you know, is this something that you think I can fight? So what I usually tell them is the very first step in this process is you've got to read the book, read the book, see what happened to Ebony, and then compare that to what you went through. And then we can talk about the evidence that you may have. We can go through your memory and see what you can put together if you're planning on fighting it. But I also have employers who reach out to me, you know, and they just want to talk through it. Okay, how can I look inward? I want to re-examine my organization and I want to find that covert, that hidden form of racism that you talk about. And so when they reach out to me and they say, well, you know, we, we have diversity, equity and inclusion trainings every year. And, you know, I, I think they're successful. This is what I tell them. If you have someone in your organization who is, you know, covertly discriminating against someone because of their race, And they fundamentally believe at their core that they are entitled to do that. You're not going to be able to change their heart and mind in an annual training of 30 minutes or an hour. It's just not going to happen. They're going to check the box to meet that mandatory requirement. And then they're going to go right back into their routine and continue to discriminate and oppress people. And your turnover rate's going to continue to be high, or you're going to have people filing complaints. And so they say, well, if that's the case, what can we do to stop them if they fundamentally believe at their core that this is okay? And I said, well, like I said, you're not going to change their hearts and minds, but what you can do is you can add my book, Hush Money to your diversity trainings, give it to your managers, give it to your leaders, have them read it, and you all discuss the chapters, show them in no uncertain terms, what their black and brown employees are reading and what they're learning, because there's a lot to be learned from this book. Like I said, methods Mm -hmm. most people would not even consider. And if you show your managers and your leaders, what your people of color are reading and learning and adopting and how they're using these methods to fight you, unbeknownst to you, you have no clue that they're doing this behind the scenes when they are ready to come forward as Ebony did with the mountain of evidence that they have now collected against you, you, the racists, 
will find your job at risk because mm-hmm. it will be uncovered. And so if you share that with them, you're probably going to have a better chance of stopping them in their tracks than you have had with your annual diversity trainings alone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, are you plan like future plans? You plan to go into organizations, uh, feel the corporate culture, you know, stay for a little while. You know, um, right now, after everything that I've gone through, I'll be honest with you, Frankie. Um, like I said, I'm still recovering yeah, from I can my see. own. Yeah. yeah. I, I still have a lot of, of hurt and, uh, I, I really dropped so low the last time my career was derailed because racism in the workplace is not a one-time thing no. that happens to us. It happens repeatedly. And so by the, the fourth or the fifth time of having your career intentionally derailed by- On top of that, employers. you're a woman. So it's even, you know, double. Yes. You, 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 you just sink so low. And so I'll be honest, me going back into corporate America right now, terrorizes me. Uh, That's why I wrote my book. That's why I started selling it from the trunk of my car. That's why I try to talk to whoever will listen to me to, to expose what's happening so that I can regain my confidence. I can heal through telling our stories, but I can also prevent other people like my daughters and so many others from suffering the same fate that I did. Does that make sense? Totally. I, uh, aside from your book, are you getting help? You know, I'll I'll be honest with you. I've gone through, you know, years of therapy. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with racism, therapy doesn't really work. You know why? Because it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. You never get any downtime to heal. You, You have to pick up the pieces after you lose everything, after your career is derailed, after you find yourself you know, living in a motel with your kids because they set you up. They, they falsified documents. They did everything they could. To- like it's so bizarre that they go out of their way to go out of their way so much to hurt you. It just seems it's so bizarre to me that somebody would care that much. Like live your life, live your own life. Let other people live their lives. My God. Well, remember Ebony's story? Remember what happened with Ebony after she was able to write the ironclad discrimination complaint that finally, finally got uh, Malcolm, who was her very first uh, racist tormentor, terminated. After he was terminated, he still kept coming after her. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when someone decides to target you because you are black or brown you know there's something deep in them that they they just want to destroy you they're they're not satisfied with just hurting you 
They, they really want to destroy you. They want, they want to break you. Um, they want to humiliate you to such a degree that you cannot recover. And I, I'll tell you, I am a strong woman. I had kept having my own career derailed so many times. And I, I, I hurt, I was traumatized, but the last time it happened, it broke me. It, they finally succeeded in breaking me. They didn't break you. You're still fighting. They didn't break you. Well, I went into hiding for, for a very long time. You need to lick your wounds. Yes. You need to lick your wounds, which is okay. But they didn't hide. I mean, they didn't, they didn't break you. And as a coach, I've been a, a coach for a long time and I taught coaching. I will say to you, um, Jackie, that you will be able to make a very successful career working for yourself as an entrepreneur in this anti-racist consultancy, if you wish it. I do wish it because I, I'm fighting racism one book at a time. I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman who helps black and brown entrepreneurs. He's a professor at a university. He's black. Wonderful, wonderful man. And um, after the show, I'll, 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 I'll write to him and I'll tell him to reach out to you. Because I think you could just be amazing. I think it'd be great for you. And I've always believed that, you know, I've always liked to work for myself. That way nobody else can interfere with you, right? Yes. I like to make my own decisions and my own rules and my, yeah. I don't, I don't play well in the sandbox. So I think it would be, you'll see that your success will be um, based on your own merit. Nobody's going to tell you differently. It has nothing to do with color. And because of your color, you know, you are actually going to be able to be the sword arm um, and make money at it, which I think you need to. Well, I, I need to, like I said, you, you know, I, yeah. this is, yeah, this is what I do. I, I'm yeah. fighting racism one book at a time because, you know, not only do police kill us in our communities, racist police, yeah. but managers and HR folks kill our careers in the workplace. And it's a different type of death. And yeah. I, I want to help people not go through that. Yeah, I hear you. And I think a lot of people listening are going to hear you. And I hope that, um, as you said, go out, get the book, read the book. You will definitely walk a mile in, in her shoes and really understand what it feels like, um, how everything is really just against you. I mean, before you even walk in the door, it's, you know, you're fighting through sludge just to make it to the yes. office, just to make it, you know, to the next day. And then, you know, to have these people conspire against you for no reason other than you're the wrong color. It's, yes. it's, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it, it boggles my mind just because I can't believe that people think that way. But, and it's, I have a hard time understanding people that think that way, why they think that way. But, um, and I, I, I have to think that it's just their own insecurity, it's just their own insecurities. You know, it's the only reason to hate and fear is because you're insecure. There's no other reason for it. I don't know what it is. I'll be honest with you. I just know our people are suffering and, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult when you feel like you can't survive in any way. You know, this is just one part that I can show you in the workplace, but 
can you imagine just how hard it is to be a person of color, to be black? You know, you're, you're under constant scrutiny. You are, you know, um, just everything from the criminal justice system to the, the medical uh, racism to the workplace. It, it's just very hard. It's very hard. And, you know, I just want to be able to add my voice to one aspect that I believe I can show you in a real, authentic, and modern way um, to open your eyes so that you can understand it and make positive changes with us. Yeah. Well, you did a good job. So congratulations on the book. Thank you. And I just really... I want to see you in a year from now and just see a different, a different Jackie in front of me. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And if I might just tell your listeners one more time, uh, my book is Hush Money, How One Woman Proved Systemic Racism in Her Workplace and Kept Her Job. You can get it for $6, about what you pay for a cup of coffee on Amazon. Um, if you read the reviews, uh, it's five stars. The reviews are phenomenal. And you will be doing wonders for this woman who also experienced racial discrimination and was so traumatized along with her daughters that I wrote this book without knowing where it was going to go or, or how it was going to end up. And I started selling it from the trunk of my car. Um, if you support me, I promise you it's worth the $6. You oh, I definitely agree. It's worth the $6. And, you know, it's very difficult to get rich off your book. As an author, I've got five books here. I'm not rich. <laughs> <laughs> but we try. We have a voice. And that's what's important is that you tell people. Yes, you help yes, people. And, that, and I, I guess that, that's, that's what's important. Okay. Well, I think we did, we did it justice. I think we did it justice. Okay, then we are going to say goodbye, Facebook. We will see you next week, maybe. And uh, I'm just going to stop our recording.